0: Welcome to the 40th episode of the Fourth and Twenty Four podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about Major League Baseball and in the NBA, congratulate those teams who clinched their playoff berths and say adios to those who've been eliminated. Let's jump right in with a look at Major League Baseball, specifically a look at this week's standings on a division by division basis. Starting as is usual with the National League West, Patrick.
1: Yeah, we have San Francisco in first here at 18 and 13. San Diego at 18 and 14 in second. L.A. at 17 and 15 in third. Uh, Arizona at 15 and 16. They were really hot in between the last week and a half, but kind of cooled off uh, at the end of last week, or I guess the end of this week. Uh, and Colorado at 12 and 19. Uh, you know, normally we haven't even mentioned them because they're just so far out of it. But I, I figured it's. It's necessary to mention them, considering that we still mention the Tigers on the podcast, too. Um, so, I mean, look, the Dodgers have lost a lot of games since their 13-2 start. 4-13 uh, and 13 in their last 17, to be exact. The injuries seem to be definitely catching up to them. Uh, and they're losing a lot of close games, too. The Dodgers lost Dustin May for the season, which is a big blow to their starting rotation. Although, if any team were to pick any place where they want to be injured, that would be probably the most secure place in the whole league, I would argue. Um, and in extra innings, because of those injuries, it feels like they always have relievers. You would expect to see on the Tigers or Orioles that are prospects kind of being thrown into the fire a little bit too early, but these guys are not talented enough to be on a team as good as the Dodgers yet, and it's not their fault. It's just what's going on with injuries. I think there's eight or six or seven of the original uh, bullpen that's currently on the injured list right now. And also, moving away from the Dodgers for a bit, the Giants are playing the Padres in a series this, this weekend again. Uh, I predicted the Giants to win again. Uh, a little bit of deja vu from last week. And the Giants and Dodgers, as we've been mentioning, will play each other in a three-game series starting on May 21st. Uh, always mention that because it will be the first time they play the entire season.
0: Yeah, Dodgers. I think are one in six in extra inning games, losing them in some pretty painful manners. Uh, if if you're a Dodgers fan like we are, um, you've nailed it on the head. Hit the nail on the head. Injuries have caught up with them, particularly the pitching staff. The bottom, the bottom. Especially
1: because if you use if you have three relievers from your opening day roster, if your starter carries you into the seventh in a nine inning game, you're looking pretty good because you just use one for the eighth, one for the ninth, and you say, all right, we're going to shut down the other one. You leave them for tomorrow. Then all of a sudden it's in extra innings just because one error happened and there's one, just one run that gets allowed. And all of a sudden, now in extra innings, you have nobody good left. So yeah, it's, it's a very rough situation.
0: And they had a stretch of, it was supposed to be 14 games in 14 days with no layoff. And then they were going to have like three days off in six days. There wasn't rain out. That gave them a day off, but then that just meant they had to play a doubleheader the next day, and one of those games went to extra And Clayton
1: Kershaw had, had his shortest outing of his entire career in the first uh, leg of a doubleheader. Let's header. just
0: say the Dodgers are happy that this is a 162-game season and not a 60-game season like last year. And I season- think
1: I'd say they're happy that San Diego has been, not, not necessarily slumping, but definitely underperforming expectations because... If you told me L.A. would be 17 and 15 after 30 games, I'd say San Diego is probably winning the division by two or three games. At least, Pretty, yeah. because if L.A. is 17 and 15, they're probably not beating the Padres four out of, I think seven games, which is exactly what actually did happen.
0: Uh-huh. So, well, you want to move on to the NL Central?
1: Yep. Uh, the in the NL Central, the Cardinals are 18 and 14. They have won. They had won seven out of eight before a two-game losing streak. Uh, just at the end of this week. The Brewers were 17 and 15. They took three out of four from the Dodgers. The Cubs are 15 and 16. They swept the Dodgers. Uh, The Reds are 14 and 15. The Pirates are 13 and 17 at the bottom of that division. So the Cubs and the Reds tied there for third, although the Cubs probably looking better with more momentum. They're also playing the Pirates right now. Uh, These standings were not updated for that game because I felt it'd be kind of odd to update one game and leave all the rest just in limbo while they're in progress. But I believe the Cubs did beat the Pirates in that game, uh, which would bring them to 500. And the Cubs might be able to swing some of that momentum from that Dodgers sweep. Um, You know, the Dodgers probably don't feel like the defending champions right now, but any other team that gets to beat the 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 team with the name attached to it of defending champions probably feels pretty confident after they do it. So the Cubs are definitely going to take that, take some momentum into their next few series. Uh, we'll see how that turns out for them. And again, this division is going to be really into, uh, interesting throughout the season. We've talked before about how maybe only the Pirates are the ones who don't really have much of a chance, and even them, they're staying sort of competitive. So it's nice to see. Um, we know that the Cardinals and the Brewers are, are really in the big dog fight for this for this division, but... The Cubs have enough talent on the roster that if they can put it all together, I mean, it's the same. It's almost the same roster that won the World Series four-ish years ago. So a
0: little bit of a different pitching
1: staff. A different pitching staff, but still, they have enough talent on their roster to do it. Uh, not, maybe not to win a title, but to win this division, I think. Certainly, if they're playing the right way, and Chris Bryant has been playing amazingly. Javi Baez, if you excuse, uh, swinging at pitches that are about ten feet out of the zone, has has also been having a pretty good season. Uh, and Anthony Rizzo's been stable as always trying to prove uh that well I mean we heard about his contract situation in the offseason that he's a little bit unsatisfied that he was being offered he felt he was being uh being disrespected a little bit with the offer the Cubs gave him so he's kind of out to prove something the same as Chris Bryant also in a contract year so they got a lot of motivation on their team uh and I think they might I think they might be able to challenge the Cardinals and the Brewers although for now got to look at the Cardinals and Brewers in first and second and say those two are going to take the division one of them.
0: Okay let's move on to the National League East.
1: Yeah this division is another one that's going to be really close top to bottom for the whole year Uh, especially if no team can pull can pull significantly ahead with a big winning record like the Braves have in the past. Uh, The Phillies are currently at the top of the division at 17 and 15. The Mets are 13 and 13. The Braves are 15 and 16. The Marlins are 14 and 16. And the Nationals are 12-15. and Obviously, the Nationals and the Mets had that whole canceled series. I don't know how they're going to make that up. But uh, obviously, they're going to, at some point later down in the season, maybe play a few doubleheaders every time they play each other uh, for the rest of the year. But they're lagging behind in games just a little bit because of that. So it's kind of hard to judge where exactly they are in these standings. Uh, But I think overall you see the Phillies get mad after the umpires kind of took a few games from them. And now they're, now they've been playing really well this week. Uh, the Mets have been really up and down. It's kind of hard to get a read on what's going on with that team. They also fired their hitting coach in the middle of the week this week. Uh, they got a lot of interesting things going on. And apparently Pete Alonzo, their former rookie of the year, home run Derby champion, I believe, uh, found out about that firing via Twitter. So not exactly something you'd expect from a Major League Baseball organization. Uh, so <laughs> they got some stuff to figure out. Uh, I, I think the Braves have been, every time I watch them, it seems like they're trending in the right direction. And then every time I turn my back on them, they're losing two or three games in a row. I'm, I'm very surprised that they're still under 500. Uh, but I, I'm assuming they're going to be able to figure out how to pull themselves above soon enough. Uh, and then the Marlins and the Nationals at the bottom—they're certainly good teams, but I don't think they're good enough to compete with those top three, especially in the pitching department.
0: Okay, let's move to the American League and start on the West Coast.
1: Yep, you have the A's in first at nineteen and fourteen, the Mariners in second at seventeen and fifteen, the Astros at sixteen and fifteen, and third, uh, the or as Yankees fans would call them, the Trastros. Uh, or the, the Astros. Ra- <laughs> uh, the Rangers at at fourth at 16 and 17 and the angels at 13 and 17 at the bottom. Uh, I'm going to go to the bottom first to start with this division. I'm really confused what's going on with the angels. Um, we we all know about them designating Albert Pujols for assignment and how that means he got subsequently released. Uh, I don't see a problem with that. I, I, I understand what's going on with it. He does not serve any purpose within that team. Uh, other than maybe being a a steady veteran that they can rely on for some uh, locker room kind of or dugout clubhouse, whatever you want to call it, uh, presence. But I don't think they really need that. And uh, Shohei Otani is a better DH by far, and uh, Jared Walsh has been very promising at first base for them. So there's really nothing Albert can offer to them. It's sad to see a, such a great player get released. Uh, but, you know, he is he is 41 years old. He's on the last legs of his contract there the last year, to be exact. Uh, and, I, again, I don't see much of a purpose for him within that team. So I completely under, understand the decision. Uh, although they're not playing winning baseball without him. They're not playing winning baseball with him, it seems. So we'll see how that works out because they're also playing the Dodgers, who are also not playing very well. Um in a series this weekend, so two teams that one of them is going to have to get back on track because one of them is going to take two out of those three games. So somebody's going to come up with their first series one in a very long time. Um, I'll keep going from the bottom to the top here. The Rangers, I'm actually surprised to see near 500 whatsoever, but I'm not surprised whatsoever that they're under 500. I don't think they'll be competing for this division title. The Astros at 16 and 15. Salvaged, not getting swept <laughs> uh, at the hands of the Yankees due to an Altuve birthday home run, as they've been calling it. Uh, but uh, uh, Dodgers fans, we are uh, we don't like the Astros, so I'm not going to sing their praises at all. Uh, I'm thankful that the Yankees beat them, another franchise that does not like the Astros whatsoever. Um, and frankly, probably could have a World Series title in their back pocket if it wasn't for the Astros. So you got two teams that that. <laughs> really don't like the Astros. I'm very interested to see what happens if the Astros ever go to LA anytime soon, but uh, I'm sure we'll be there and I'm sure we uh, might or might not be booing. Uh, This is not on my journalistic record though. Uh, The Mariners are in second place in the division at 17 and 15. Very surprised that they're still ahead of the Astros. Uh, I picked them to lose against the Angels in that series last week. The Angels are just not playing very well, so that did not happen. Uh, and then you have the A's at the top at 19 and 14. I think they're going to claim this division. Um, I think they're going to ride it out all the way to the end of the season. I had the A's and the Astros right next to each other in my preseason power rankings. I believe I had the A's ahead of the Astros, although I'm not sure. And I I think when you look at it, that was supposed to be the tight division race. The Mariners have kind of come out of nowhere to be in this race at all. But I think as we go later into the season, you see the Mariners kind of starting to cool off. You see the A's starting to heat up. Well, I mean, they had that huge, giant, giant win streak. But I think they'll be able to get a bigger win streak going later, same as the Astros. Uh, and I think at the end, you'll see the A's and the Astros fighting for this division.
0: Okay, well, let's move to the American League Central.
1: This division's odd. Um, the Indians are on a five-game winning streak, uh, and they're now 17-13 and 13 at the top of this division, The White Sox and the Royals are neck and neck with each other at 16 and 13 and 16 and 14, respectively. They play each other in a three-game series over the weekend. We will see who comes out on top of that. Uh, I have the White Sox coming out on top and coming out as first place in the division after it. Uh, You have the Twins at 11 and 19, the preseason favorite to win this division. 2 and 8 in their last 10. Looking to pull it together soon. And it's really crazy because Byron Buxton was arguably the best player of the month uh, in the league. Um, known for his speed and all of a sudden started crushing home runs this year and has, I think, a 416 average so far. So it's puzzling to see the Twins playing that badly, especially when they have somebody as, as maybe before the season, not mediocre, but somebody as pretty slightly above average as Buxton become an MVP candidate, frankly, uh, and then you have the Tigers at well, the bottom.
0: Actually, it's the Tigers who are two and eight in their last ten. The Twins are four and six. Uh, sorry. So uh, they're not playing as badly as you think, but uh, it's
1: still pretty bad, especially for the team that's supposed to win the division yes. preseason. Keep going, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and then you have the Tigers who are nine and twenty-three, as you just said, two and eight in their last ten. But I mean, doesn't even matter. This is just the team they has are not been we thought
0: they were finally exactly.
1: Played. The team is not exactly built to win you have a lot of prospects at the top of the pitching rotation uh which honestly have looked promising but not promising to get them anywhere near the playoffs in this year probably not next year either although who knows it it, things can change maybe the front office makes some aggressive moves knowing that they have those prospects who can maybe step up but yeah not too much to talk about with the tigers there
0: okay let's wrap it up with the american league east
1: Okay, the Yankees have finally started playing and now this division race is a huge race with at least 4 teams and you could even argue that there's a fifth team involved. Uh the I'm Red Sox Baltimore are
0: Baltimore is going to be involved?
1: Well, I for now they are. Yeah. Uh I mean, do I think that the Red Sox are going to be involved down the stretch? No, but they are at the top right now. So, I mean, might as well mention the Orioles in there too. I think they could end up at, at least fourth. Um the Red Sox are 19 and 13 at the top. The Rays are 18 and 15. The Blue Jays are 16 and 14, and the Yankees are 16 and 15. And as we just mentioned, the Orioles, who I'm kind of throwing into this race for now, uh, are 15 and 16. So the Red Sox keep getting a lot of comeback wins, uh, as we've seen. And I don't know if that model is sustainable for this team that's not not necessarily such a young team, but this is not exactly the L.A. Dodgers who are known for comebacks and have done it for years on end while winning eight straight Uh, NL West division titles. This is a team that last year was one of the worst teams in the league. So I do not know if that will continue. It could, but I'm not banking on it. And I don't think the Red Sox should bank on cruising to a division win because of a bunch of comeback wins. Uh, And the Rays are right right behind them at 18 and 15 in second place. Again, I, I still think that once those teams start playing each other and maybe even the Blue Jays and the Yankees playing the Red Sox, you might see this division shift in a different direction. You Speaking of the Blue Jays, you have the Blue Jays at 16 and 14. Uh, a really young, promising team. They finally got George Springer playing this week. He had a pretty good week. Uh, maybe you see that elevate their team now that he's playing again. Who knows? Uh, and then the Yankees, finally, 16 and 15 now. Uh, they have started to round into a lot, it, it, it just into such a better form. Uh, The bullpen has really been doing them a lot of work recently. Uh, The starters, not named Garrett Cole, have actually finally been decent as opposed to pretty much losing them the games before they could even get a chance. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton's on, I think, a 10-game hitting streak right now, and he has just been been amazing in the last few weeks. He started off the season at a sub-200 batting average, and I think he's hitting over 400 in their last 10 or 11 or so games. Uh, and that's really the reason why the Yankees have been winning again. Do that strong presence of Stanton and uh, Aaron Judge has been consistent as always, and really the rest of the lineup. They're starting to. It feels like the Yankees are starting to get a get into a groove a little bit, get their swag back, and I think that'll serve them well in the long term. And then you have the Orioles at the bottom, who will probably stay there at the for the whole season. Uh, not much talent on the roster. Way too tough of a division to compete in. Uh, but, you know, they, they kind of did this last year where they hung around in it for a little bit um, and then slowly faded all the way down to the bottom by the end. But I, I think the Orioles have some things to, to look at for the future that could be promising with a lot of their prospects. And the fact that they're 15 and 16 with such a young team is a pretty good sign.
0: Yep. Well, that wraps up the look back at uh, Major League Baseball. Let's transition and take a little different perspective on the NBA. So as mentioned in a prior podcast, uh, a few NBA teams had clinched playoff berths, and uh, some had been eliminated. With that list growing uh, in both respects, let's take a look at those who have clinched and those who have been eliminated from the NBA playoff berth. Patrick, start with the teams with something to celebrate.
1: Yep, the 76ers, they finally put it all together. Last season, all the talk was about the 76ers in the East. Many uh, renowned NBA analysts, including Stephen A. Smith, had picked them to not only get the number one seed overall in the regular season, but then come out of the East in the playoffs, uh, into the NBA finals. Although as the season got, uh, continued on and on, we then, we kind of realized that that team was not built to win a championship or get to the NBA finals, but good for them. They finally put it together in probably the year that the top of the East has been the best. It's been in a very long time. They are the ones who look like they're going to claim the one seed overall. Uh, and the team that has faded, it has faded into the shadows for a little bit, even with all their star power, the Nets, look—they they're now they're now a real competing franchise. They're no longer the laughing stock uh, that they once were. Uh, they got healthy for a bit, I guess, sort of. I mean, at least Kevin Durant's played a game this season. At least Kyrie has played a few games in the last twenty games of the season. And, you know, it was intermittent, it was individual, but they've been healthy enough um, to claim the two seed in the East, it seems, although they've been playing so bad recently that the Bucks that the Bucks are actually closer to the two seed than the Nets are to the 76ers and the one seed. But they also traded for James Harden, as we know, that is the reason why they have clinched the playoff spot so early. Uh, and then moving on to those Bucks, a regular season regression from the last few years, But the team does feel actually more postseason ready than before. Part of that might be that you play a little bit, uh, take a little bit off in the regular season, but you know you're getting your chemistry up still. You're just resting a few more games. Don't have Giannis playing all, well, normally it's 82, but this season 72 games to try to win a regular season MVP. Let's get him a finals MVP instead. Uh, I really like what their front office has done, the pickups of uh, Drew Holiday in the offseason and the trade for PJ Tucker during the season I like what they're I like what they have going I'm not gonna pick them to win the east just yet I probably won't at all but they're looking like a strong contender uh moving on to the west the Utah Jazz uh, the one word I had to describe them was wow uh, after losing in the first round to the nuggets in such a heartbreaking fashion last year in the bubble you made it all the way to the top of the West uh, I think nobody would have expected that. Um, everybody, Lakers, Clippers, one, two, let's put the Nuggets at three, let's put the Mavericks at four. And I think nobody, nobody thought, yeah, of course, Utah is going to be at the number one seed. Nobody thought that at all. Um, although I did say that last year and people can, can, people can mark me on that, but I was a year too early. Uh, (laughs) Um, So, look, Utah's had a great, great, great season. Uh, This team is really proving that you don't necessarily, in this era of big threes and and superstar-studded teams, you don't necessarily need to have a bunch of superstars to be a good team. You can have a bunch of really good, of really solid all-stars or players who probably should have been all-stars in the past uh, but haven't quite made it yet, specifically talking about Mike Conley. And speaking of that kind of a team... Let's go to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, your front office might have saved your franchises. You might have saved your franchise from some certain doom. Uh, aggressive trades and good head coaching hires have really brought this team to the forefront of the NBA with something that they were not even close to a few years ago. Um, I, I think when you look at it, you see the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings as these two small market teams that don't make the playoffs a lot. Uh, they have to have things go their way really and, and make a lot of good decisions to get where they want to be. Uh, the Kings have De'Aaron Fox, but have not been able to capitalize on it, make a playoff appearance. The Suns have Devin Booker, and then they got DeAndre Ayton, and they've decided, look, let's go after Chris Paul. Let's get the third piece we need to make this team great, made some more good draft picks, have developed some players like Mikal Bridges into very, very good players, and that is the reason why they are in currently in the two-seed and might even get the one-seed, so... Congratulations to the Suns for trending up that high.
0: Yeah. I don't think anybody in the beginning of the year would have picked the Jazz Suns one and two, even, oh, absolutely even not. Not, without even the order that those would be the top two teams, as right. you said. So uh, congratulations to those very surprising teams. Uh, keep moving.
1: Now we got the LA teams. Ah, uh, uh, there's only one of them. Actually it's the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, Look, I'm not going to sing your praises like I did for the Jazz and the Suns. We expected this out of you. And I actually think we maybe even expected better. Uh, If you said the Jazz and the Suns are ahead of the Clippers, I'd say, wow, the Clippers must have had an awful season. They must have missed the playoffs. Kawhi must have torn his ACL or something. Um, It's crazy to think that the Clippers have had such a great season, and they're still the three seed in the West, and they're behind the Jazz and the Suns. Um, But look, let's see what happens in the postseason. Uh, This team is is cursed in the postseason, frankly, so who cares what happens in the regular season with them? It's never a good indicator of what will happen in the postseason. And then moving along to the last team who was clinched so far, although I think a few teams are pretty close to it this weekend, uh, the Denver Nuggets. You lost Jamal Murray, but you kept going. Let's see how you do without your postseason hero available for the postseason. Obviously, last year, his performances were ridiculous. Um, If there was a bubble MVP conversation, it was only between Devin Booker and Jamal Murray. Uh, The Suns also, by the way, went 8-0 in the bubble, which is maybe why their front office thought that they might get Chris Paul and Gamble going back to them for a little bit. But look, that is a huge gamble to say off an eight-game span. We we are right there, and we could contend next year. Uh, but back to the Nuggets, they also had some pretty good front office moves themselves. Uh, th- that Aaron Gordon pickup seems to be very influential for them. Uh, it could be actually a reason that they still are able to make it out of the first round without Jamal Murray. And obviously, Nikola Jokic is most likely going to be the MVP, my pick for sure. Uh, but... That's the reason why this team has been so successful. And I think we should move on now to the uh, the not-so-great teams.
0: Yep, start with the flip side. Those teams who are whose seasons are all but over.
1: Yep, and we're going to start in the East again. Uh, there's a lot of good buys from these teams, a lot of selling at the trade deadline, which at least they're not trapping themselves in the, oh, let's take it back next year, we'll be fine uh, camp. At least they're actually acting, knowing that they're bad. The Orlando Magic said goodbye to Nikola Vucevic after he perennially carried them to the eight seed only to win one game every single round and lose really easily. But look, he brought them some excitement. He brought them into the playoffs, something that a lot of teams can't say they've done in all of those years, including teams that, have been, that are ahead of them now, such as the Nets. Um... And you saw the injuries before the season, and you said, okay, this team's not going to be that great. And then the Aaron Gordon trade happened, and then you go, okay, they're really selling at the trade deadline here. They also traded Nikola Vucevic, and then we kind of knew this team was done for. Uh, they have been eliminated. The Cavs, similar situation. They said goodbye to Andre Drummond, uh, leading the way for Isaac Okoro to finally be able to start, and little rookie getting able being able to shine you know you need to give those players uh the light of day when you're that bad i don't think it makes any sense to still be playing a, a, a not necessarily an old vet but a veteran nonetheless um and then you have the pistons who said goodbye to Blake Griffin and Delon Wright uh, look the pistons were never supposed to be good but uh i think how Blake Griffin is playing in Brooklyn might make the front office a little bit angry because it looks like he's playing with a little bit more effort but i'm not going to speculate on that uh, now let's move on to the West. You have the Thunder. Uh, they are, it seems like they're tanking. Uh, just as simple as I can put it, it seems like they're tanking. Uh, not playing Al Horford is strange. Every trade that they've made is strange. Every injury that seems like it would be like a one-week injury on a postseason roster has been like a one-month injury on this team. Uh, not Not saying anything specific, but it's just, it just feels off. It feels like there is no, no intent to win here, especially late in the season. Um, and you know, you have to be pretty bad to be pretty prospect stacked to be called a farm system by somebody on ESPN, which is something that literally is only a thing in baseball. Um, but look, the Thunder do have the best farm system in the NBA. If there ever were to be one so many first round picks, it's ridiculous. Uh, shouldn't even be allowed to have that many, frankly, but we'll see what they can turn it into in the next few drafts, see what they can do with it. And, uh, now moving on to the, well, not the, not the basement of the league, but the one who's going down the basement stairs, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they had some injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However many excuses you want to make for them, you can, uh, they have a lot of talent on the roster, but just not a lot of talent that I think goes together to fit a winning mold. Uh, They haven't really been able to have D'Angelo Russell, Cat, and Anthony Edwards on the floor at the same time. You might get Anthony Edwards to win Rookie of the Year after picking him number one overall. But frankly, even with the Rookie of the Year uh, probably uh, having the number one pick last year, they still have not improved very much. Probably might even pick number one again next year if the draft lottery falls uh, falls their way. Uh, But look, Ant has been pretty good. He's shown a lot of signs of of being more efficient later in the year as opposed to earlier. Uh, And we'll see what they can do next year. Maybe even with another top pick also paired with D'Angelo Russell and Karl-Anthony Towns could be pretty good. And then, of course, you have the Rockets all the way at the bottom of the league. They've been eliminated for a long time. Uh, Goodbye to James Harden. This is going to be a long, long rebuild, I think, for Houston. To that, too.
0: So.
1: Right, and I think this is just going to be such a long rebuild because they don't have many draft picks. They gave up a lot of draft picks to get Harden, the help he thought he needed and could put them at the top, and it did not come to fruition at all. Uh, it never worked out, and the closest they got was the Western Conference Finals, but that was all the way back with Chris Paul, and they were playing the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant, so not much hope in the first place. Um... I don't know. I think if we continue this podcast for the next six years, we might never say hello to the Rockets. It might always be goodbye at the end of the season. But um, look, the Rockets, it is what it is. They had to trade James Harden, uh, and they need picks too because they need to rebuild as soon as possible.
0: All right. Well, we said goodbye to the Rockets and a few other teams, and we're going to say goodbye to this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, May 10th where we will have our weekly look back at the latest NBA action and see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his Major League Baseball power rankings, on our website, 4 24com That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.